Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog one time for the underdog. I'm Patrick host of Tim, and today I'm going to share with you how to predict the future as an entrepreneur. Okay, so let's get right into it. Point number one is studying each generation's level of frustration in any area of their lives. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. So, for example, take what Chip Wilson did. Chip Wilson's the founder of Lululemon. When I sat down with him, he was telling me how he came out with the idea of Lululemon. He would go to yoga classes and then afterwards, he would go sit outside at the nearest coffee shop next to the girls and women who were leaving the yoga classes and listen to their frustration. And he realized everybody was frustrated with their yoga pants. So they would say, you know what, ah, I'd love to go to the mall, but I don't feel comfortable going to the mall with these pants. So he went and created pants that made women feel comfortable to wear it at a mall. He takes his business from zero to $12 billion. He's worth $4 billion today. Take for example, boomers, okay? Boomers are born between 1946 to 1964. So the oldest boomer turns 50 years old in 1996. What do you think is a level of frustration that a 50-year-old goes through? Think about it. What does a 50-year-old go through? What do you start experiencing in your 40s, right? We hear about it all the time right now, but back then it's kind of private, right? Erectile dysfunction, for example. Do you know when Viagra came out? 1996. You know how old the oldest boomer was? 50 years old. You know the youngest boomer was only 32 years old. How did that happen? What are they frustrated about? You can predict the future if you simply take each generation and write down what are they most frustrated about. Go listen to them. Here's what they're most frustrated. Here's more therefore. Then find a solution for whatever their generation is. You can predict what trend is going to take off next. Point number two. I can walk into a company or an office or an organization and I can see based on the energy of how the team is together and how they solve problems to get in a boardroom, you can pretty much say, these guys are going places. They work good together, they flow good together, they're not afraid, there's not fear, there's not like somebody that's pushing or bullying and all this other stuff. These guys got a good energy, they got a good team. Something's gonna happen, you can make a prediction, but I can also walk into a room and see somebody that's iron fist, no one's opinion matters, only he speaks, no one can give advice, no one can say anything, he never takes anyone's advice. You can also figure out who is probably gonna leave that environment in no time, because you can't lead like that for a long time. Energy of the people can also predict the future of a company or an industry. All right, point number three is being able to use data and studying trends to help you make a certain decision about whatever your prediction is. I like to look at numbers both internally and externally. What do I mean by internally? I wanna know what kind of customers like my products, what kind of customers don't like my product, you know, what kind of salespeople do well at selling my product, what kind of salespeople don't do well at selling the product. I wanna know what kind of executives do well, what kind of employees do well, I wanna know what kind of partners do well. I wanna study all the data that I can. I wanna know seasons, months, hours, seconds, days. I wanna know all of it, right? So think about it as far as sports goes. Let's just say you and I wanna buy a sports team together. Me and you, we don't know which sports team, but we wanna buy a sports team together, you ready? So you got NFL, you got MLB, you got NBA, you got NHL, and you got soccer team in America, MLS. Now here's the key. We're not buying a sports team for fun. Like we're not buying it because we should go buy a basketball team because I love basketball. We're buying it purely from an investment standpoint, right? NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, and soccer. Now, if we were to say solve for X, X equals we want the biggest return on our money. Which of those five things is gonna give the biggest return on our money? 
If we have a sports team, we buy, you know, Raiders. I was about to be a minority owner of the Raiders. I was buying uh, 1% of the Raiders, and we were going back and forth. This is right when they signed John Gruden. The guy came up saying, I think it's worth $2.8 billion. I give him an offer at $2.3 billion for the 1% of the $2.4 billion, $2.3 billion. And he said, no, I think it's $2.8 billion. He said, I'm not interested. They're going to go to Vegas. They're getting Gruden, 10-year contract, all this other stuff. I said, no. Why? I didn't see the trend for me to want to go in and give that kind of a check to them. So I stepped out of it. But if you look at the five, soccer may be the one that's going to give you the biggest X factor. Why? Here's why. Soccer is the only sport in America that we are not very good at. We're good at baseball, we're good at hockey, we're good at you know, basketball, we're good at football, but we're not good at soccer. However, what's the one country that attracts the most immigrants around the world? America. Huh. And outside of America, what is the number one sport in the world? It is soccer. And immigrants are coming to America, and sports is about selling people on that sport. How many times were you not a fan of a sport? Somebody sold you on it. Babe, you got to watch this baseball game. Let me tell you what's crazy about this baseball game. So that's what you call a single. That's a double play. Look what you just saw. That's a balk. You'll ever see a balk. That's a strikeout. There's three balls, this, this. Oh, I like baseball. I like football. That's a touchdown. That's this. So imagine all these immigrants are coming, and they're selling people how amazing soccer is. How amazing soccer is. And every four years, the World Cup. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. One of my investors bought a soccer team just a few years ago for 40 million bucks. It's worth over 200 million dollars. 5x, right? But you have to study the data and the trends in every possible way to say, I think soccer team may be the best investment we may make. You may not buy it because you like the sport, you're buying it because it's the best investment. You gotta study all the data of all the trends in every possible way for you to say, this is my prediction of what's gonna happen with this industry. Okay, so point number four is a little bit different. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. I can look at a company, go to a company, and find a product and say, what a boring idea. Oh my gosh, that's a boring product. Are you kidding me? This has been done before. That's all you're doing? Yes. But you can predict an organization's going places because they have an incredible leader who is serious, believes in the product, believes in the cause, believes in the mission statement. It's not just saying it because it's what you're supposed to write. Is 100% convinced that what they're doing is gonna make an impact in people's lives and they know how to develop leaders. This company's going places. You can predict that. Why? Doesn't mean all the time, but the risk is lower if you have an incredible leader that knows how to develop leaders. Why? Because it's so hard to find great leaders nowadays. It is so hard to find great leaders nowadays. There are many investors in the marketplace, VCs, private equity firms, that don't invest into ideas. They invest into a founder. They invest into a CEO. They invest into an entrepreneur because that person believes in leadership development. That person that believes in personal growth. That person believes in education. And that mindset bleeds into other people. This is why people banked on Jack Welch. This is why people banked on the way Andy Grove built leaders. This is why people banked on a certain group of leaders that knew how to develop leaders around them. That's leadership. So sometimes you can simply predict where an organization is going based on one great leader. Okay, point number five is something you're hearing a lot of people talk about with AIs and robots and all this other stuff. I'm gonna simplify it for you. You can predict uh, based on where an industry or somebody's gonna take a big hit. If any skill sets start becoming automated, you can make a prediction on what's gonna happen there. Skill sets become automated. So if you and I used to go to the airport and we would check in and we would get our ticket and now it's not, 
you can kind of make a prediction what's going to be happening within that field. If you used to go to a bank and you would talk to a teller you no longer do because everything's on your phone, you can kind of predict what's going to ha- be happening with, you know, brick and mortar type of, uh, you know, structures that we would go to. It's going to be a different story. If you and I used to go to Barnes and Noble and Borders to buy a book, and all of a sudden we're buying ebooks and it's 24% of readers now reading ebooks. This was like 10 years ago, the data. You can kind of predict the future of what's gonna happen with Borders and Barnes and Noble. Every time I go to the Barnes and Noble in Frisco, I ask the guys, I say, listen, how are you guys doing financially? And the answer is always the same. I think we're doing okay. I think we're doing okay. The other day, the lady's like, would you like to buy the membership of $25? And you're really not gonna get a savings on this magazine you buy because it's only $4.99. I said, honestly, I'll buy it. I just wanna make sure you guys stay in business because I wanna keep these bookstores in business because I like bookstores. But the reality is, how much longer do you think Barnes & Noble is gonna stay in business? Maybe three years? Maybe five years? Maybe 10 years? Would you really put a million dollars of your investment into Barnes & Noble today? Why not? Because you can predict the future on what direction that industry is going to simply because things are being automated and it's being replaced by a robot. Point number six is kind of like point number four, but a complete opposite. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. You know, sometimes you look at a company, you look at an organization, you look at a team and say, you know what? I think they're headed in a bad place. Why? Because they just brought in a team member or they just brought in a CEO or somebody at the top that only solves every problem or solution to give themselves the credit and it's about them. And you say, they're about to lose their best talented people. And if they're about to lose their best talented people, that company may be going in a direction that is not gonna be favorable to the investors and the people involved in that company. So sometimes you can make a prediction for a company that's going in a bad direction simply by recruiting the wrong leader to that company in an executive position. So point number seven is really directed to the entrepreneur, to the CEO, the executive, is sometimes you gotta leave your corner office and you gotta kinda go and hear what people are saying. Let me explain what I mean by what people are saying. One is going on forums, online forums. What are people really saying about this? Going on Twitter and really hearing conversation and studying one keyword and just going to say, wow, a lot of people are talking about this. Going and seeing which companies are pivoting. Why are they pivoting? Why did these three companies pivot as big as they did? What's the reason for them? Okay, like I remember in the insurance industry, this was two weeks before the election was coming up, the insurance industry, everybody thought Hillary Clinton was gonna be uh, the president and everybody made their commissions tighter. Like, oh wow, everybody got looser. What happened all of a sudden here? But they had banked on one thing and I went and looked at the, these industry articles that they had on these couple different websites and these guys said internally, such and such person from this company, from Prudential, from Trans, from this company, they believe Hillary's gonna be president, and because of that, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing this. If I didn't go on those forums, I wouldn't know why the industry's getting tighter. Then I kinda got a little bit of a clue of what's taking place. Sometimes you gotta leave your executive office, your corner office, and just kinda go listen and see what's going on really in the real world. What are the consumers, what are the industries pivoting about, and are they right, are they wrong, and why are they really doing this? Getting the motivation behind it, and then that'll help you have a little bit more ammunition and info about the next prediction you can make. Point number eight is political. I know most people don't like to touch politics, but here's the reality of it. You have to know which president, which congressman, which senator is supporting which bill, what do they promise they're gonna regulate or deregulate if they get elected, and how does it impact you? For instance, you know when when, when certain candidates get up and they say, if I become president, we're gonna regulate this industry and we're gonna regulate that industry and we're gonna regulate this industry. The consumer says, wow, 
I love that. They're going to overregulate everybody. What that really means is they're going to help the bigger companies out because overregulation helps the bigger companies. You may say, why, Pat? Doesn't overregulation hurt the bigger companies? No, no. Overregulation helps the bigger companies. It's the smaller company that can't afford it to survive. So overregulation actually puts out the smaller companies out of business. The bigger companies weather the storm because they got a lot of cash, they end up winning. Versus deregulation, when you hear a president say, I'm gonna deregulate this. Every day I'm gonna change the regulation, two regulations, five regulations, I'm gonna deregulate. They're helping the small business owner out to be able to compete with the bigger guys. So you have to pay attention to politics and regulation because regulation can tell you which big company is going to win, which smaller company is going to win based on whatever regulations your politicians will be making. You know, point number nine is kind of tough to explain, but I'm going to do my best to see if this makes sense to you. Sometimes there are companies that are so good or individuals or leaders are so good at serving people and their customers where the customer experience is so incredible that the customer wants to make sure that company stays in business. I don't know if this makes sense. Sometimes you can look at a company and say, these guys are gonna be around for a while. As long as they keep offering customer service and experience like that, people are not gonna let them go out of business. I go to a restaurant twice a week. When I'm in Dallas, I go to this restaurant twice a week. It's called Neighborhood Services. You know why I go there twice a week? Because they are so good at the way they treat me. They are so incredible. I want to make sure they stay in business. And every time I'm there, this place is packed. It doesn't matter what time you go there. They're always packed. They have a system that works so well. You can predict that with small companies. You can predict that with big companies. You can predict that with individuals. You can predict that with great salespeople. You can predict that with great executives, with their people, CEOs, entrepreneurs, CFOs. If somebody treats their group of people well, they're typically going to be winning long-term. You can bank on them winning long-term. Okay, so the best way to explain point number 10 is this way. I want you to think about your biggest insecurity. You. What is your biggest insecurity? This is the one that your mom doesn't know about, your dad doesn't know about, your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, best friend. No one in the world knows about this insecurity. Only you know about this insecurity. Now imagine this. Imagine if right now, in the next five minutes, thousands of people on Twitter are going to expose your insecurity. What would happen all of a sudden? It'd be very different, wouldn't it? See, That same insecurity for us as individuals, everybody has, is the same as in a business. Sometimes we keep talking about how to predict the future, about, oh, make the best investment here, go out there, win over here. Sometimes some decisions are not about what gives you the biggest return. It's about what is a good decision to make so you stay in business, right? So if you don't ever ask questions about your biggest insecurity as a company, for example, there's one thing that was happening with our company back in 2011, 2012. If anybody ever figured this out, this one move in 2000 and 2012, we're shutting down. And it almost happened. I'll never forget that meeting. It almost happened. So many businesses don't think about their insecurities, their weaknesses, and all of a sudden somebody figures it out, and next thing you know, they're shut down. You gotta ask the question, what is the one thing that can put your business, put your company out of business and keep figuring out ways to protect that and eliminate that so it doesn't eventually happen? You know, point number 11 is something you know about, but it's, it, I'm, I'm going to explain it maybe in a way that'll get a little bit more clear. You can call it traditional way of thinking. You can call it stubborn way of thinking, or you can call it a fixed mindset. Let me explain what I mean by this. So a company creates a vision and they say, this is where we're going and this is what we're doing. Sometimes executives confuse a very crystal clear vision with, to the point where 
you know, here's the only way to get there. Not necessarily. Sometimes on a way to a dream, you get lost and find a bigger, faster way to get there, right? So you can't necessarily say, here's the only way to get there. You got to be willing to innovate and adapt and be open to certain ideas. When companies, organizations don't get open to it anymore and they're not willing to be receptive to it, you already know where that's going. Flatline with one of those leaders that's the most creative in that organization to go leave and do it better, become a competitor and take a part of their you know, market away and all of a sudden this one goes on, somebody else comes up. It just happens so many years and you can always predict this with major, major companies. Point number 12 is by far the toughest one to do because it has the highest upside and by far the biggest downside when I explain this to you. Here's what I mean by it. Point number 12 is not about predicting the future. It's not about this data, this trend, this, this makes me predict that I believe this is what's going to be taking place. No, no, point number 12 is about creating the future. Very big difference. Here's what I mean by it. And here's why very few people do it, because you're either a hero or you're an absolute fool, crazy human being for thinking this was even possible. Watch, Phil Knight is the founder of Nike. Do you want to know why Phil Knight all of a sudden built an empire of Nike being what it is today? Here's why. Back in the days, Phil Knight Every year when the NBA had a draft, they would put $25,000 endorsement into 20 different players. So here's $25,000, here's $25,000, here's $25,000, here's $25,000, here's $25,000. In 1984, one of his advisors said, don't put $25,000 into 20 players. Put $500,000 into one player. And that one player, his name was Michael Jordan. Do you know what ended up happening with Nike? Michael Jordan built Nike. If Michael Jordan was a flop, there is no Nike. So watch this. You got Phil Knight on this side. Let me give you another example here. LeVar Ball came out and said, our son is not signing a contract with Nike or Adidas. He's not. He's just not going to be doing it because we're going to come out with our brand called Big Baller Brand. And everybody said, he's out of his mind. He's crazy. How much is a shoe going to be worth? This much. What? Yes, that's expensive. Hey, you don't have to go buy the Louis Vuitton purse if you don't want to. But this is what Big Baller Brand is. We dictate our price. Everybody called him crazy. Now today, everyone's saying, look, you know, what a crazy guy. What is it? Wasn't a great idea. Really? How come it didn't work out for him? Because LeVar Ball wasn't necessarily wrong. Lonzo Ball didn't really end up becoming a player that everybody thought he was going to be. He was drafted second. He should have probably been drafted number seven or eight, but he was second. What if Lonzo Ball replaced him with LeBron James? What if LeBron James was LeVar Ball's son, and LeBron came out became this big of a hit. Big Baller Brand may be today a $5 billion company, and all these other players are chasing the $20, $30, $40 million contract. LeVar Ball just got his son a $5 billion company. And now people say, what a brilliant genius LeVar Ball is. That is how close you are to being the founder of Nike versus being a founder of Big Baller Brand. That's what happens when you predict the future. You're about to create a new trend, and people push back, and you try to push, but if you make it through, you're a rock star. If you don't make it through, you're an absolute crazy human being. Oh my gosh, this LeVar Ball guy is out of his mind. He's crazy. No, it just didn't work out his way. So last one, 
is not you predicting the future, is you creating the future. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody. Bye-bye.